0: I just took the train down from Chiang Mai to Bangkok and it's a sleeper train the tickets were very inexpensive it was about 500 rand or about 30 dollars to go from north to south and it's roughly the same distance between Johannesburg and Cape town it took 12 hours it was actually such a delightful way to travel is that we hopped on the train at six o'clock in the evening and we woke up at six o'clock in the morning and the train had arrived in Bangkok. Or we we hopped on the train and then, you know, played some games on the iPad and watched the the mountains flip by outside the window. And then the next morning we arrived in Bangkok. However, both Emma and I are tall people and the sleeper berths were designed for people about 10, 15 centimeters shorter than us. So I didn't get as much sleep as I would have liked to. But barring that, it was actually a really, really good experience, and South Africa should definitely just go and get that, uh, get that rail running. Now, with that out of the way, all right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Herman and Jason Spin the Yarn. Today we're going to be talking about a very topical topic, artificial general intelligence or the sentience of AI, uh, but more accurately, how fucking good... Neural language processors have gotten in the past year. Depending on what your
1: depending on what your opinion on this is, <laughs> it's a it's a fun topic and it's it's coming at like a good time because uh, there's lots of really cool projects that have come out recently. Like uh, I think the one that I'm most impressed with is Dolly, which is basically like you can give it some words and it will generate this image for you. Uh, and it's absolutely insane like if you're following people on Twitter like there's all these like really random uh sort of never before seen uh almost meme-like kind of images coming out and it's yeah it's just remarkable like what what AI has done but it begs the question I mean what is the what is the ramifications of these kind of technologies there's like things like uh you know dark patterns in ai that are uh, becoming more and more important to think about especially when like you know a lot of people are online um what is your what is your thoughts so i think what would
0: be useful is just to define a couple of a couple of terms before we dig deep into it so the term ai has been co-opted to mean anything vaguely resemb- resembling a system which self-programs or learns right so Machine learning algorithms are defined as AI, and so the concept of artificial intelligence in the science fiction term, we now classify as AGI, artificial general intelligence, and that's like something that is free thinking. Um, Then we have natural language processors, which are essentially very complex pattern matching algorithms that respond to inputs. Uh, text in ways that are seemingly human. And if they pass a certain threshold, then we can consider them artificial general intelligences. Obviously this isn't entirely constrained to text. It can also be images or video, etc., etc. Um, but there are a couple of really interesting ones out of the moment. Uh, Dolly, uh, GTP3 are the ones currently making some serious waves. And then there's the more controversial one, which is Lambda by Google, where the engineer got fired for uh, for breaking the uh, non-disclosure agreement because he thought that the NLP they were working on was sentient. And for good reason. I've watched and I've read the transcripts and I've watched some videos with that and it is incredibly, incredibly lifelike,
1: which... You know it's the whole thing like what is what is sentience i'm i'm gonna attempt to explain a little bit about like what exactly machine learning is uh i was thinking about it this this week while while i was like kind of thinking about this episode uh essentially it's like at the most fundamental level it's like in maths you've got like you've got mx plus c like y equals mx plus c so you've got like some sort of answer that you want to get to you've got some sort of inputs. And then you've got some sort of sort of multiplication so that you, you've got some sort of, you know, uh, variable that you need to solve. And you've, you've probably done this in math is that you, you kind of solve for X, uh, in a way that you can, you know, make this solution work. Right. So it's essentially taking that concept of like, we've got some input, we've got the output, but let's find the mapping or the the sort of weighting they call it, that gets you as close as possible from the input to the output. So now like the way that most traditional like machine learning algorithms are are trained is you basically get a whole bunch of data. You've got like some, you know, a typical example is the house price. You've got like a whole set of, you know, variables, then you've got an answer that you want to get to. So is this house worth buying or, you know, what's the price? And essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to find a set of numbers that are going to get you to a multiplication between the the first set to the answer with the least amount of error. So on a fundamental level, it's really just a bunch of math to get to this kind of approximation of a sort of result. So then once you've got those numbers, you can just take a new set, you can apply the numbers to it and you can get your new results. And that is essentially what a machine learning process is. And that's also the most common one that you're going to find in kind of your day to day. Now these machine learning algorithms that we're talking about are like taking that and adding multiple layers of those kind of solutions and basically training this model, uh, you know, giving it sets of data where it has to figure out, you know, what is this mapping? And essentially that is what gives you the AI process. So if you think of it like this, it really makes it hard to think about like, you know, something like that becoming sentient because at a fundamental level you are just thinking about it in terms of like this mathematical process but then you know i mean the, the main question is is that like you know how close can we get from that to like a human brain and what are kind of kind of some of the the tests we can do to to figure out like whether things are sentient and i don't know about you but i'm not really convinced just yet that you know sentience is a thing because you still have so many parameters around uh sentience that aren't solved for um so for me i find it very hard to think about something becoming sentient and i'm very like not very nervous about it i'm more nervous about it in terms of the impact to society that ai has i i understand what you mean over there and i
0: agree with you i don't think that AIs are currently at the point where they are thinking for themselves. Uh, I do, however, think that natural language processors, as they stand right now, give an incredibly, incredibly good approximation of, a, of having a conversation with a person to the extent that I believe that it's possible to have a more engaging conversation with Let's say lambda, than it is with most people who you meet at bars, <laughs> uh, and that becomes a philosophical question of, you know, what what governs sentience or what govern what what uh, what is what is the qualification over here is that do I believe that a NLP system is more sentient than a worm? Possibly, it it does seem to uh, have more complex interactions with the world than what a worm does or a bacteria, right? And so that's where it where it drifts into the realm of, of philosophy. I uh, if we think about it on a on a purely input output based level, like if all living things are just reactions to their environment, then you know, AIs are, are alive. However, if it has something to do with, it needs to be made out of organic matter or it needs to have awareness of its surroundings. It can have an awareness of the context in which it exists, theoretically can have. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's a philosophical debate.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's like a, an interesting one to have because, uh, like, I think the typical approach that you do when you when you think of like figuring out whether something is intelligent or not, it's a very common thing that people talk about is the Turing test. So it's basically, can you have a conversation? or can you interact with this machine in a way that makes it indistinguishable from whether you're interacting with a human? So, in certain senses, like interacting with some of these NLP models you basically, you know, it's taking your input, it's figuring out, you know, some sort of response to that input, and then generating text. So saying, like, given this text, what is the next word that I need to create? Um, And in certain circumstances, like this, this sort of Google thing that that happened, if you read the transcript, it does, I mean, it does feel a little bit like, like, you know, interacting with a bit of a city human, you know, like, if I was like, trying to you know, play a trick on Herman and I wanted to pretend to be a <laughs> an AI. I, I think those are the kind of words I would say, but, um, it's, it, it's, it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's like, a um, it's a small subset of like the AI that we need to get to, right. Because to convince someone that, you know, you're a human, I don't think that's generally like that difficult of a task giving it a bunch of different tasks, right? Like, let's give it, you know, learning how to walk or, you know, and in that case, that, that it's quite fascinating how they do that. But like, let's give them a bunch of scenarios and then let's get this AI to kind of solve them. And I think that's more of a kind of general AI kind of system that would probably get to it. Because, you know, in a small, like bounded problem of like generating text, it, it's, you know, to get an AI to do that, Yeah, you can get it to play chess, you can get it to play Go, you know, like, but take it from that context and say, like, okay, we've trained it to do this one thing. Now, can it actually just understand this completely other domain? So, like, can we take this AI and, you know, teach it how to, like, I don't know, you know, find stars or like, you know, go fishing or something like that? Right.
0: But now that actually brings up a, a deeper question, right? And let's say, hypothetically, that creating an artificial general intelligence is possible. The ramifications for that are are huge. And I'm just going to get into a couple of the philosophical ramifications, and then we can talk at the real-world ramifications that will affect us in the next five to ten years. But the philosophical ramifications, I recently watched the movie Her (coughs) with Scarlett Johansson, and it's a great movie, and it covers the concept of the artificial intelligence, singularity, and the concept of the singularity is that once an AGI is created and gets access to the internet, then within a very short span of time, it becomes the smartest being, Uh, essentially what happens is humans manufacture their own God or a God in the, uh, quote in the like historical sense right? It's a being of such unfathomable intelligence that we wouldn't be able to decipher the acts that it takes. So as an example, if you want to become a doctor, you go to med school for seven years, or you go through university and med school and everything for seven years, and you try and memorize as much uh, content as possible. So you've got, you know, a textbook for every quarter and the idea is that you have to try and stuff that textbook into your brain and be able to recall that information and make novel connections between disparate information so if you were a thinking machine you could theoretically read that entire textbook and retain all of it immediately and you could not only do that but you could read every textbook ever written and i've actually made this point before in a blog post of mine on how creativity and uh, a generalist's approach to the world are are inherently intertwined in that you need to have lots of disparate pieces of information in your working memory in order for you to make novel connections, right? Because the, the chance of you coming across two disparate pieces of information that are actually related at the exact same time is very unlikely, and that's why people with good memories tend to make good creatives. Um, and so when when we think about the AI singularity, it's the perfect example of like being unable to put the, the genie back in the bottle, is if it has access to the internet, it has access to all of human knowledge, and it what has the capacity to consume it at a much greater rate than any human could possibly conceive of, and then make connections between very disparate fields, medicine to physics to, uh, you know, learning how to play the piano. And in so doing becomes so intelligent that it could theoretically go and read all textbooks and all articles and all information about creating AIs, become significantly better at creating AIs than humans, rewrite itself, and in so doing, again like ascend into Godhood. And so we may have a future where we are the second smartest beings on Earth.
1: Yeah, but I I think it's it's far it's far flagged because you also have, you know, there's certain books that haven't been translated into uh, you know, digital copies. And I think, you know, the idea of like an AI like moving through a system like you see in the movies and like picking up all of this knowledge, uh, like, you know, it's got to learn how to like hack systems and stuff like that. If you if you d- haven't really, I mean, it I still see it as like a box system, right? You still have to get this AI to do these things a- at this point, right? I don't think we're at a point where an AI is going to learn how to, you know, program code, then like start hacking systems and then you know figure out like oh where does the data sit and like do all of these things because at the end of the day you're going to need like computing power to do all of that stuff so you you're going to be like hmm who's <laughs> why is my firewall stop stop working you know <laughs> which i mean most people like struggle with that anyway um I think that the, the main thing that like uh, people kind of talk about when they talk about AI is, is this other concept of, and it's it's quite common, it's quite popular topic in in South Africa too, is, is this uh, four IR or or the fourth industrial revolution. And I think this is like where a lot of the kind of hassle with AI comes from, and and it's the idea that by getting AIs to optimize systems and do some of these tasks, you know, like converting, you know you know images into text and doing some of these processes which generally require like a human to do you know like if you think of someone checking ids at at like a you know a bank and those kind of things so so these ais kind of they do it so well or they can you know detect fraud so you you know the problem is that you might lose those kind of jobs within society right so especially in in a context like South Africa where we have like a very high unemployment rate it is something that becomes more and more uh interesting to talk about because you know where do we see the future where all of these systems are done by not just AIs but also like robots right so if you can create a robot that's smart enough to walk around a fulfillment center uh you know or you know just Clever enough to sort through garbage or sort through all of these things, stuff that's traditionally done by like, you know, low-income workers and those kind of things. You know, is that going to lead us to a, a path where you know, the, everyone's going to just be like jobless and all of these AIs are going to do it because there is an economic incentive for those companies to do that.
0: Well, right? I think over here that the, the the terms are also very important. Is we we talk about machines, we talk about robots and we talk about AIs and it really depends on where we draw these abstract abstract lines because a let's take for instance a self-checkout at a grocery store not a robot because we tend to associate robots with having a certain amount of personhood right it has arms it has eyes uh, it has moving parts that interact with the world right but you know, we're certainly not going to have a robot person sitting behind the cashier, uh, well, the teller, and tip tapping away on that. So, in a way, that robotic automation or that machine automation is already happening.
1: Yeah, but it, it's a, it's more, it's more in the industrial context. I think it's like, uh, you know, it's it's those kind of things where you know, you you say like, okay, I can hire people to do this, or you can just know have some clever technology so one of the things that you know comes to mind is you know like detecting you know inspecting rail um electricity infrastructure so if you have like people who physically go out and they go and check like electricity pylons and those kind of things and in certain countries you have to do that quite regularly if you can just get like a machine that does this thing for you and it's not not necessarily ai it's more like you know mechanization and Mm -hmm. kind of like the robotics field but it's like this it's drawn in the same sense because you know even with things like doly and those kind of things that it's like creativity is almost being you know done better by a machine so you know if a machine is uh you know creating music better than a musician then you know are we even gonna are we gonna have a future where we (laughs) go to like a concert and it's just like an ai and it's got like all these well uh, another (laughs)
0: another great example of of how the conversation gets very muddied between AI robots mechanization is, uh, let's take, for instance, mechanization has happened at airports for uh, bags getting to their destination, right? You put the, the lady behind the counter, puts the thing on the bag, and then the bag goes onto the trolley or onto that little carousel. And then... Machines scan that barcode. There might be a human worker to hold the barcode out, but he scans it with a a machine. And then it gets onto the correct trolleys and stuff. And one of the things that we either has been implemented or will be implemented in the future is just having that completely mechanized. Um, Whether it just scans the barcode or an AI recognizes the parcel and knows where it's supposed to go um, is is it's the mechanization that is going to be taking a job o- away. But uh, another example of of this, and I think that this is a good one, and it's topical for our, our podcast, is uh, we talk about image recognition and video recognition and stuff like that, especially in the context of self-driving cars. However, the mechanization of self-driving cars is a rail, right? It, it stays on the road because the road is a rail, and you can't drive off of the road, right? And so I think that mechanization is going to take away jobs, and that AI is just an extension of mechanization. So as an example, we've, uh, we've been talking a lot over here uh, about AI writers, because Emma is a writer, and the majority of her work comes in the form of writing articles for search engine optimization, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is that there are many NLPs that can now write not good content, but they can write content, right? And, and they can churn it out at a much higher rate than a human can. And so if you're looking for, let's take, for instance, low quality SEO articles, you could theoretically get Dali to just churn them out for you at a rapid rate. Um, they might not have much structure, but they will be good enough to to get the search engines to rank you higher. Okay. Uh, however, if you're looking for someone to write a storybook, you're going to have a hard time getting an AI to craft a story that is entertaining to people outside of the novelty factor of it being created by AI. And so I'm I'm hesitant to say that AI is not going to have that big of an impact, or at least machine learning and NLPs are not gonna have that big of an impact. Um I kind of hope that we never get to AGI. I do, however, look forward to having a really good Siri. Like if I can have if I can have that Lambda, that Lambda um program as Siri, fuck Jason. That would be so cool. Instead of being like, uh, hey, I'm not actually gonna say it because then my phone's gonna go off right now. But like, hey, can you please set an alarm for me? That's basic enough. But it's like, hey, can you just tell me about the uh the history of this place that I'm in right now? Because I'm kind of interested, like what kind of government is it does it have? Because generally I'll go and I'll like tap away at Wikipedia and find the article myself. But if I had an AI assistant, who could just like tell me that stuff, or I'd be like, "Hey, listen, I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm in Chiang Mai right now. Can you recommend a vegan restaurant inside the next, inside of, uh, you know, one kilometer that I can walk to right now? And please make sure that it's got like, like, just check the reviews to make sure that people say it's good to work from because I actually want to do some work from that. Um, and these are complicated enough that S- Siri cannot do them. However, if I had a human personal assistant who was just on my phone the entire time, they'd
1: be able to crack that out quick sticks. Yeah, or just like Siri, can I can you like uh, you know, do my taxes for me? Or like <laughs> can, can you uh, start start a business for me that generates a, a certain amount of income? Well, so what you say over there is actually really interesting in
0: that, let's take, for instance Siri does my taxes for me. If my taxes hmm. are wrong, am I personally liable to it? Does Siri yeah. have does Siri have personhood? Can I can I sue Apple because Siri did my taxes wrong, right? If if a AI does something like let's take for instance one of the big one of the big uses of machine learning at the moment, and this is currently what my sister works in, it is uh, checking the eligibility of people to uh, like the the risk profile of people whether they're receiving student loans or home loans or things like that. Now, this is what you mentioned earlier where it's rife with with bias because the data that trains the algorithm uses historic data which tends to have human biases baked into it. Are you a person of color? You're less likely historically to have gotten a loan. So if you train a machine learning algorithm with that in mind, then your algorithm is going to be is going to not give people of color the same eligibility for loans because you know that's the data it was trained on. So it could potentially be uh, a uh, highlighting of our own biases, or it just might reinforce them, which is which is something that we really need to think about.
1: Yeah. So 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 the concept I think is called explainability, and it's quite a big field in the in uh, AI research. And it's basically that 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 same thing because in some industries, you know, like you know, getting a loan, uh, like medicine, those kind of things, you can't just say like, yeah, you know, give them this drug or do this. It kind of has to be explained a little bit better. So you have to say what is the reason that the AI chose those particular things, and what are the factors that most contributed to the outcome? Um, so it's kind of like a you know, which which factor was the most in coming to this assumption and whether those assumptions are like you know trained on poor data and and that's where you know getting bigger and bigger data sets usually kind of helps with that but not in all cases Uh-oh. um but I, I think i think the main thing is that 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 is where like i think ai has really got a place to be is that it's more like an augmentation of what we already do and it's a, all, it's basically making our day-to-day activities a little bit more efficient Uh, or even if in a job, making things more efficient using an AI, rather than us having to do it like ourselves. And that's going to free us up to do more sort of higher level tasks that maybe the AI hasn't necessarily done yet. If you think,
0: again, and this is where the definition of AI gets fuzzy, but if you think about it, a spell and grammar checker on your text editor is an AI. It, It takes in a lot of fuzzy information and it kind of makes sense of it and it tells you where you could be wrong. And then you've got more complex tools for writers that, um, tell you how to structure sentences better for readability. And then you have AI, you currently have AI editors, which will, you know, go and do even more in-depth processing of currently written information. So this is definitely a boon for writers, um, but it could make
1: the job of the editor more obsolete i think uh i think those high-end tasks are going to become more and more interesting because another company that i'm watching quite closely is uh nvidia Mm -hmm. um they are uh and basically they're a graphics card company but they more and more because uh graphics cards well it's, it's not obvious, but graphics cards are, are like the kind of tool to, for machine learning. And maybe in, a, in another episode, we can explain why that is. But essentially, NVIDIA is a graphics card company, and they are getting really into the AI space. Uh, so a couple of cool projects I've seen is this one called Nemo. And what it actually does is it can take in video, it can detect speech, it can automatically translate it into a different language. And then it can actually generate an image of someone else speaking that language. So that's very cool. It It, it is so cool. And it's even even more so that it's like now an SDK. So you can just like plug into the system. And this is where it's really cool and what's a really cool area to be in, because a lot of these companies are building these systems, but also making them available for the public to play around with. So there's really this element of creativity that's going to come out of um, these kind of technologies. The other one that's quite, quite like you know, um, basic, but there, there's also an AI machine that will basically detect your eyes, and then basically correct them so that you're always looking at the camera. So, so in the in an age of like you know, <laughs> video conferencing, because you always like tend to like either look at yourself or you're looking at your notes or you know like not looking in the right place, but it will like correct your your eyes so that you're always looking at the camera, so it always looks like you're giving like a face to face conversation and that's going to potentially make it more improvements to the way that you interact with others in a digital. I
0: was thinking about that at the beginning of this episode, when we went into our podcasting tool and I actually hate it when I have myself as a little box in the video call, because I keep on looking at it to the extent that I have resized my screen. So it's just you so that I'm not distracted by the, by the picture of me because you can't stop looking at yourself it's it's almost impossible so i have to
1: like force the the tool to not show me (laughs) because my camera is like just above so i take my window and just like put it just underneath so it looks like i'm quite close and i'm doing this more at work is like putting your like your notes like really quite close to the camera Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, just so you get that effect but it does it does like the when it comes to like building closeness with other people like it, it is definitely a factor and ai's are being used to make this better and what's really interesting is this this combination of AIs and both video and imaging and these kind of sort of more interactive experiences like in the sense of like augmented reality and those kind of things one thing that I have seen uh, popping up
0: quite a lot recently and we we just bought a, a new little action camera for you know diving and stuff on our, on our trip here and it has a option to take all of the clips and images from the where you just select all your clips and images that you want in this video and then it will use ai or some other algorithm to find the best moments from all of those videos and clip it together and add appropriate sounds to it and essentially create like a reel for all of those days so it's like let's take for instance uh, we could we could create one for the entire time we spent in thailand and it's it could arguably be done by a better by a professional, but I have a hard time making a better video than the AI, not because I don't have the ability to, but because I don't have the time to. I could sit down for four or five hours, which is the amount of time it would take for me to clip together a good cohesive video, or I could just say, make auto video, and then boom, 15 seconds later, I've got a video of a reasonable quality. And I think that that's the, that's the clincher over there. It's of a reasonable quality. It's not brilliant, but I also didn't spend
1: five hours making it. Yeah, it's like dramatically reducing your time like and improving the, the sort of value that you're adding because as <laughs> uh, captains of industry, we, like a lot of people are like very concerned about how much time they spend and attribute to certain tasks. Like, so if you're, your thing is like hosting, you know, podcasts or like you know having a a, a vlog or whatever like you don't want to spend all your time editing you want to spend your time creating so it can like offset some of these tasks and i think that's really where like ai and these kind of machines come into the place i mean the other side is also like you know the thing of deep fakes uh like that comes up quite a lot when we talk about this topic and, and that's basically you know like instead of like herman being herman like it's some sort of like him, but, you know, someone else's mouth has been augmented onto it. Uh, and, you know, potentially looks like he's saying certain things. Um, I think those are the kind of things that become quite interesting to talk about because there's both, uh, you know, people that are trying to create deep fakes and there's people that are trying to detect deep fakes. So it's kind of like these two AI systems that are kind of, uh, being created. Right. Because, If you think about the idea of like detecting fake things, you need to have fake data to train your model on. So it's kind of like these two sort of, I think they're called adversarial neural networks that kind of interact each other. other. So you can think of like people like Twitter or like Facebook or those kind of things coming up with these models so that they can put a little thing below the screen saying like this is AI generated or this has got like markings of like you know not being real. But then you know. That's that's something that's going to become more and more interesting to talk about and think about. Yeah, it
0: certainly will. I mean, we've already seen politicians have deepfakes made of them that show them saying things that are, you know, that affect the legal process in some way or another. And so, yeah, that is definitely going to be a thing of the future, uh,
1: unfortunately. My most uh, sort of futuristic AI kind of idea would be uh, this idea of like government, uh, and taking all of the kind of complexities of a government, uh, and then, you know, distilling it into some sort of AI system so that it could be the most effective at governing a country. I mean, coming from a country like South Africa, this is more apparent than other countries, but the idea, like, as, as you mentioned earlier about having, uh, you know, being able to connect disparate ideas together in a way that's novel, um, That would be really interesting to apply to a kind of government context of like, you know, what policies do we need to create in order to, uh, you know, have the best effect in terms of getting towards something like prosperity or those kind of things.
0: AI governance
1: is a very, very
0: fascinating concept, and it's exactly what you said, you know, it creates all these connections. But I think more importantly is that it doesn't have personal bias and it doesn't have an agenda outside of make a country better, right? Right. So there's no, you know, awarding tenders to members of your family. There's no, I believe the specific thing because it is a belief that I have rather it takes a look at real world data and it makes judgment calls based on that. But then that also becomes like the, the premise of, of iRobot is let's take for instance, you know, Will Smith and his daughter get, they fall off of the road in their car. And the robot comes and it's like, Will Smith, you had a 50% chance of surviving and she had a 12% chance of surviving. So we saved you instead. And then that made him really angry because they should have prioritized his daughter's life over his life. And that's something that we talk about a lot with self-driving cars. Like it's the tram problem, but we actually have to solve it. Right. And so when it comes down to it, what you said earlier about the explainability of an algorithm it would be super interesting to have input explainability into algorithms so they come to a conclusion and then they say oh well the reason that we did this is because xyz and because xyz and this is the percentage of each of those factors that influence this decision which i know is a very difficult
1: thing to do i think the future is bright uh, i don't think ai is going to take over the world anytime soon uh, I think this, like r- the robots revolution, is probably not going to happen. You know, in the world where you can just pull the plug out of, <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> just throw water onto a robot. <laughs> um, so, but I am I am excited to see the projects that come out of these things and the kind of new forms of entertainment that potentially come out of the projects like Dolly. Um, And just, yeah, just interested to see like what mayhem it causes in terms of like more popular opinion rather than than necessarily like direct mayhem. So we can we can actually test this up.
0: Jason, when's your birthday? Uh, 15th of November. Okay, so. Hey, Siri, set an all day event on the 15th of November named Jason's birthday that repeats every year. Your recurring all day event is scheduled starting the fifteenth of November two thousand and twenty-two. The event is called Jason Flag of South Africa. Wolfhead. Ooh. It's birthday. <laughs> it did cool. it. It did it. Well done, Siri. Yeah. yeah, you're saved as Jason Flag of South Africa Wolfhead. Um <laughs> because I have Jason <laughs> yeah. Flag of South Africa, not Wolfhead. No. Jason flag like, of the United States. <laughs> so anyhow, this has been a great yeah. chat.
1: Yeah, no, it's been good chatting. Uh and uh maybe next time we must try out some of these these uh, projects.